the truth anyhow. That is very true. I'm like Christmas shirt for being truth anyhow. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Fresh glory, head to toes, heaven flows. Thank you, Lord, for so much joy that everyone gets drunk on the victories of Jesus Christ in this place. And every other thing falls off the human race. Like bears getting bear mace. In Jesus' name. For your fame. It's never lame. <sighs> Gotta get drunk to get out of a funk. Woo! Shaba. I just thank you, Father, for it. I've been getting so blasted on uh, all this Enoch stuff. And I just all day today been getting really, really, really uncontrollably laughing and the Holy Ghost just taking over my mind and there's no explanation to it other than I'm just completely possessed <laughs> this, this morning I'm at breakfast with my family we do this Saturday morning uh, breakfast thing since I was you know in, six years old or something started at Marino's worked our way to the 400 over in the industrial park and my grandpa's there my brothers are there sisters there their kids uh, my stepdad my mom and my brother brings his little toddler and they give him soup and he's got this little cup <laughs> he's got this little cup of soup and they got this little fancy spoon for him and he starts just flinging it all over his face it was like getting into his eyes I mean you gotta wonder if it's bad to have tomato soup in your eyeballs they didn't they're just wiping it it's like this is nothing you haven't seen nothing and when he couldn't get soup splashing it up on his face he started pounding his spoon against the table like and when I saw my little nephew pound the table with his spoon I just got hit with the joy Lord I couldn't stop laughing for like 10 minutes I had to I was almost mildly embarrassed because no one else was laughing you know you're making fun of our kid or something over here <laughs> I just I had to bring the napkin it had the breaker anointing on it just looking at this guy completely covered with tomato soup slamming his spoon against the table Wanting more soup, barely any of it gets into his mouth. He just wanted to fling it on his face and demanding more. More soup, Lord Jesus. Give us tomato soup of your glory tonight. And get us really, really, really intoxicated by getting undone from respectability and dignity of all people pleasing. <laughs> man-pleasing, woman-pleasing, to please the joy of the Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our minds as our God without any respectability or dignity tonight. I want to bring forth a joy. I want to bring forth a, a cup of tomato soup 
to toddlers in Christ. They can go wild in it and then just demand more. Even if only 30-fold gets into their spirit, the rest of it just gets splashed all over their souls, splashed all over their flesh, into their DNA, into their bones and marrow. Hallelujah, into their past, present, and future. As your glory is poured out in this place, Heavenly Father, just marinate us in the sauce. We need to be baptized. We need to be sautéed. We need to be deep fried in the oil of joy. <laughs> and you'd think, you know, 15 years getting drunk in the spirit, having a drunken glory ministry, I'd be used to it by now. I was totally surprised at the Holy Spirit today. I'm getting this teaching and all this Enoch stuff, training in righteousness, experiencing the sun and the moon and the stars like Enoch this season, and just really, really, really wild levels of mysticism. And what God wanted to do is just blast me with so much joy that I couldn't stop laughing in the midst of my family with no explanation. It's like that is the recipe many times to just break through anyone's soul, anyone's mind. Just drinking the wine, letting the Holy Ghost stand up on the inside of us in His uprightness, in His personality, in His victory, over all self-consciousness, over all of our feelings and emotions, over all of our mindsets, over all of our thoughts and cares. <laughs> And I think it pleases the Holy Ghost because I'm still getting revelation what happened today. It's kind of blurry. And it continued all afternoon. I mean, I, I was working in, in my apartment putting together my new hi-fi rig with my amplifier and my CD player and, and my speakers and subwoofers and all this stuff. But I was so freaking whacked that I couldn't even make a coffee. I mean where the joy of the Lord is like physical radiation pouring out of your flesh and your bones and your, your brain feels like white light just shining through it and you're kind of moving around in like sunbeams. Literally ride the lightning. It's so wild. The, the wine continues to blow my mind every single day from glory to glory. The wine in these levels of righteousness that we're bringing forth this season, and people, why are your eyes closed? Because it's so bright in here. I can barely even open my eyes. It is so bright in this body right now, and outside this body with all these lights on me right now, I can't even open my eyes. It is like blinding lights in here right now. <laughs> and this is why we've worn sunglasses the last 12 years. I can't even see half the time when I'm speaking out of the brightness of the cloud of God inside my body. <laughs> it's so it's like, you might as well just be like Stevie Wonder up here. Don't even, don't even matter if you have eyes. Why did God even give us eyes? You can't even use them in this kind of glory. I'm just going to use the eyes of my heart tonight. Father, I pray for the brightness of this cloud that I'm experiencing, the joy of this cloud, the lightning of this cloud, the blood of Jesus in this cloud of glory. Revelation 14, 14. And I saw one looking like the Son of Man seated on a cloud, holding a sharp sickle, wearing a gold crown. 
the Lord of the harvest and the Lord of glory, with all his face expressing joy towards everyone in the light, pouring into their minds, pouring into their eyes, pouring into their ears, into their senses, filling their hearts with the atmosphere and the realms of heaven in this place. Let the joy of the third heaven supersede all the cares of this world, of the second heavens, of demonic warfare and struggles and sins and all the nonsense of the curse of the fall. We just need a break from that. Give us a break tonight from the world, from the universe, from the earth, from the cares of life. Take us into a heavenly vacation into paradise in the third heaven by your rapturous light. <laughs> There's a rapturous light. Last night we were coming out of the sauna and the physical manifest light of God the Father was shining through the heavens into the quartz crystal room where we have our sauna over by Lake Calhoun. And we could see God physically in that place with beams of light. It wasn't natural light. It was supernatural light. God wants to materialize His light through your hearts, through your minds, through your spirit, all around you all the time. So you're kind of living in a cloud. Just living in a bright cloud of His glory. He wants to wrap you in a blanket. Isaiah prophesied about you. He said, who are these that fly along like clouds, like doves to their nests? A dove cloud. Amen? A white cloud of the Holy Spirit, the white dove. This is what Jesus Christ gave us at Pentecost. He didn't give us religion, didn't give us a denomination, didn't give us the assemblies of God, didn't give us Pentecostalism. He didn't just give us speaking in tongues. He gave us a cloud by day and fire by night to dwell in His presence, which the Bible says, there is joy in His presence and the fullness of joy is where? In your presence there is just a little bit of joy, but I don't really feel it. Fullness of joy, which means it just shreds your body like you just snorted an eight ball of cocaine. Where you physically feel it more than any drugs and alcohol. Jesus said we're on new wine now, which means he referred the pleasure of the Holy Spirit in the encounter with God to drugs. It's called new wine in Scripture. So he's comparing the experience of God to drugs in the Bible, and he wants you to be intoxicated. He wants you to be raptured. He wants you to be ecstatic and experiencing realms of delight. John 20, 20 says, And when they saw the Lord, they were filled with joy, jubilation, ecstasy, and rapture. <laughs> so we need to see the Lord. Where do we see the Lord? Colossians 1.27 Christ in you, the hope of realizing the glory. Amplify Classic. Not just a hope of glory when you die and go to heaven. The hope of the glory inside your body so you live in heaven right now and never die. Even There is such a realm of righteousness in the glory cloud at breakfast this morning. My grandpa was talking about living to 150. He's 101 right now. And he's just he's sharp as a knife. And my stepdad talking about living to 100 and his dad being 150. And they were laughing about it. They might have been joking, but I know their spirits were serious. 
I know they were under the influence of the Holy Ghost. I know they were prophesying. 150, can you imagine that? In the light of God, in the reverse of the curse, the last curse to be swallowed up in victory is death, the Apostle Paul says in the Bible. Do you believe it's possible? The Bible says it's not just possible, that it's guaranteed going to happen. And I believe it can happen in any generation that has that level of faith for it. I believe we're going to go into realms of righteousness, realms of holiness, realms of purity, realms of divine ability, realms of Enoch, realms of Elijah, realms of the prophetic and the apostolic like the first century church where they boiled John in oil and he couldn't die. They just poured him out on the coals, historian says in the book of Josephus. They couldn't kill John. He was in his 90s, but instead of being frail, when they tried to kill him, he couldn't even be burned. And so they end up putting him in a penal colony on Patmos, where with no food, no water, and he did fine there, and they gave him parchments, and he wrote the book of Revelation that we read today in his 90s. This is a guy that was already destroying death. <laughs> and he's getting raptured into heaven. Been in the glory cloud of Jesus Christ for 70 years. He's probably the youngest apostle, the apostle who leaned his head on Jesus' heart. John's considered the love apostle and the apostle of Jesus' heart. Let him just pour something into you tonight. That pure, divine, true agape of the apostle John. It's one of the pearls of the gates of heaven, which means you're going to experience John as you go into heaven. The Bible says the names of the apostles are the gates into heaven. These 12 apostles are in the cloud of witnesses, Hebrews says, interacting with you constantly. Why? They have great investment in the saints. And if we begin to receive and begin to grow and we sanctify ourselves from all unrighteousness and grow in purity, grow in holiness, grow in wisdom, grow in revelation, we go from glory to glory and we begin to fulfill what they started. There's a legacy in those 12 pearls of the 12 gates of the heavenly Jerusalem that's working in this company tonight and right now. You're a part of that testimony. And it's not phony. It's funny. It's real. It's joyful. And it's full of glory. Lord, we want our lineage in the apostolic. You don't have to be an apostle. You just have to receive from apostles. What's an apostle? Someone who represents God the Father accurately for how he is in the third heaven. Not just in the earth dimension, but bringing forth the heavenly dimension. Not an earthly type and shadow. Not a religious form. A lot of religious apostles. A lot of false apostles. True apostles will bring forth the heavenly representation without shadows and they will begin to illuminate the way before you so you can grow in the apostolic. The word apostle means to terraform the earth and to make the earth as it is in heaven. It was a Roman term given to generals so when the Roman Empire conquered a place they would set generals over cities and the, the Romans called those generals apostles. 
It was a Roman term. It's not a Jewish term. It's not a Christian term. It was a worldly term given to the Caesars and their generals so that you could terraform the culture with your Greece education, with your Roman military strength, and with all the might of Rome and take over planetary systems not just through military might, but through every aspect of society. So it's a it's an all-consuming enculturation of a colony or a civilization, and it came from Rome. And Jesus says, I'm coming from heaven. I'm sent from God. I'm going to make you apostolic so that when you go out into the nations, when you go out into Minneapolis, when you go out into Miami, New York, Los Angeles, when you go out into all the earth, you can change your cities to be just like the city of heavenly Jerusalem in the third heaven. And you know how to do it. Go and baptize nations in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, making them disciples. Not just making them converts, not just making them believers and then doing whatever they want, but making them full of wisdom and understanding of how to bring heaven to earth in the marketplace, how to bring heaven to earth in ministry, how to bring heaven to earth in all of your relationships. Make it practical like the Romans apostles, have it influence every aspect of society. Go into the, the teacher's classrooms, go into the politician's offices, go everywhere and flood everywhere with the ways of the third heaven. So how do we go into these realms and get so heavenly that we're earthly good? It takes sanctification. Yahweh Mekadeshim, the Lord our sanctifier. Without a purification, without a sanctification and a consecration of our spirit and our soul and our whole heart and our mind, our consciousness, and every part of us head to toes, going into Christ in us, the hope of realizing the glory, and not just hoping you realize the glory, realizing the glory and then stay realizing the glory keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus you know kind of like looking inside to where Jesus is inside the temple of the Holy Ghost I'm not looking at my own heart I'm not looking at my brain I'm not looking at my soul I'm looking at the soul of God God's soul is here by the Holy Spirit sent out into all the earth I will pour out my spirit in all flesh so when the spirits poured out into your flesh you're looking at the spirit of God inside your bodies his temples keep your eyes fixed on the spirit of Jesus the author and the perfecter of your faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning the shame which means you're gonna be scorned they're gonna try to pour shame on you they're gonna persecute you a little bit they're gonna misunderstand when you're looking like drunkards and gluttons and they called Jesus a drunkard and a glutton because he kept his eyes fixed on his father and he said it's the father in me if you have a problem with me acting this way it's because I'm looking at my father in heaven who's acting this way was he acting drunk yes why do you think they called him a drunkard in the Bible the Pharisees called Jesus Christ the Messiah a drunk which means you had to look drunk to be called a drunk Truth anyhow, but he wasn't drunk on alcohol. He was drunk on the love of his father. Song of Solomon 5.1 in Hebrew is Shaka Shakar, which in Hebrew is a commandment to be drunk on love. You can read it in your own time, Song of Solomon chapter 5. It says, be drunk, not on alcohol. Don't be drunk on the world. Don't be drunk on idolatry. Don't be drunk on the the love of money, don't be drunk on lust, don't be drunk on pride, don't be drunk on knowledge. Be drunk on divine love. Be drunk on the Holy Spirit. 
And what it does is it doesn't make you slobs, it makes you excellent. It's a refining drunkenness. You get hung over with excellence. You get hung over with happiness. There's no negative side effects to the cup of the new covenant just getting blasted in the glory. And it's still interesting to me getting blasted in the glory. <laughs> to get blasted in a greater glory with a greater joy than I've ever had before and a greater purity than I've ever walked in my entire life is still the most fascinating thing to my mind to this day. And it just comes out of nowhere. It's just Jehovah sneaky. He'll just come up and just whack you with joy in the midst of certain people and just embarrass you. And you just kind of get the people pleasing off of you. And you just, I don't care what they think, but God's just overwhelming me right now. I'm getting raptured in the midst of people that don't understand what's going on. And he's been doing stuff like that to me since, really, 2000. I remember the first time I got drunk in the Holy Spirit was in the year 2000. Someone from the Toronto Blessing came into Teen Challenge, laid hands on everyone, preached the gospel, downtown Minneapolis, and I got so blasted with the anointing, I was down on the ground for 45 minutes, speaking in different dialects of tongues, laughing uncontrollably. People were manifesting religious demons so crazily around me, they were trying to pull me off the floor, and the pastors there understood what was happening. I was getting hit by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We'd, you'd seen some of that in the assemblies of God, so they'd tolerate it. They didn't teach on it, but they tolerated it. Because the, the speaker they invited to speak had imparted it into me, and I was getting the impartation. So they wanted me to have, they allowed me to soak in it. For 45 minutes, people just disappeared, went to lunch, and I was still rolling on the ground. My dialects of tongues, it was like 12 different languages coming out, and it was like the revival of the Toronto blessing got imparted into my spirit in the year 2000. <laughs> it's true. Drunk out of my mind that day. It was a fading drunkenness because I wasn't discipled in it. You don't, you don't teach that stuff in most Pentecostal churches. It's very, very rare that there's a discipleship in the wine cellar of God and being drunk on love. Jeremiah 29 says, or 23 verse 9, I'm like a drunken man because of the Lord, like one who's had too much wine to drink because of the Lord and His holy words. So prophets were getting caught up. You read about Saul getting caught up with the prophets and being overcome after he'd just gone to the witch of Endor and he began prophesying. And the Bible says that he was intoxicated with prophecy with an external anointing that came upon him even though he'd gone into backslidden state and lost his salvation because the external realm of the sapphire sea had just pickled his flesh. And there's a teaching in there where you could get drunk on other people's stuff and it's not your own stash. What we want all of you to have is your own rich treasury of glory, your own wine cellar in your spirit of joy unspeakable full of glory, the river of life bubbling and brooking out of you and springing up out of you. The good shepherd shall lead you to the springs of the waters of life and he will wipe every tear from your eyes. Revelation 7, 17, that means when you're around good pastors and good shepherds, they're going to lead you to a place of drinking the springs of the waters of life and all sadness and sorrows and negativity of any earthly experience. I mean, God is going to give you joy. God's going to give you salvation without any side effects. There's a perfected freedom. There's a perfected salvation for your spirit for your soul, for your heart, for your feelings and emotions, for your brain, for your thought life, 
and for your body and your organs. Salvation, sozo soteria in Greek, is salvation at God's level of being saved. If you look at Jesus, he's got a little bit different salvation in his body right now. He's beaming brighter than the noonday sun in Acts chapter 9. I want that level of salvation in my flesh, that level of salvation of Jesus Christ in my mind, where there's a rainbow manifesting around his head in Revelation chapters 4 and 5. You want that mind of Christ saving your minds in a helmet of salvation, putting it on, putting on the full armor of God, the full salvation of Jesus Christ, not just for your spirit within, so that you die and go to heaven, but for your body, so you have heaven on earth and nothing negative in your life whatsoever. And you can expand it, you can teach it, you can impart it into others. How will they know unless they're hurt? It means you can, you can preach it to others. You don't have to be a preacher. You just get so filled and inspired with the Holy Ghost. When you open up your mouth, you're just an oracle of God. Do not even prepare ahead of time for what you will say, it is written. For at that time I will fill your mouth. Open your mouth and I will fill it, says the Lord. Which means God will fill your whole soul with the words that he has today, the fresh bread from heaven, the word that's come down from God. So you'll have the word at an opportune time to feed everyone around you, to feed your family the word, to feed unbelievers whatever they need. It might just be joy. It might just be hope. It might just be brightness. What they really need is light, shining bright, the luminaries. They need the, the brightness of Jesus Christ's resurrection form. It's so bright, people were blinded. Acts chapter 9, the Bible says, Saul, a religious Pharisee, was physically blinded for three days because he had an encounter with one normal Christian on the road to Damascus, Jesus Christ, the firstborn amongst many raised from the dead, and you are his brothers and sisters of his same brightness. You have the same Holy Spirit, you have the same Bible he read, all you got to do is believe it, obey it, let it work in you, make room for the glory, make room for the Holy Ghost in your hearts and in your minds, renewing it, washing you. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's only an ever-increasing salvation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Just putting away all of the past and looking forward to the future of going from glory to glory, which is degrees of brightness, through your born-again spirit. You must be born again. Of what? The spirit and water. And unless you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, John chapter 3. What does it mean? Born in the brightness of God's Holy Spirit. Born in the glory. And if you were born in some kind of religious way, Bob Jones says you can get born again again. If you have your Jack Chick track from a revival from 40 years ago with some kind of evangelist or something but you never experienced the brightness of his parousia and his presence and his joy and his the fruits of the spirit and the angels of God and all the things of heaven and if that's a foreign concept to you you have to be born of heaven you can repent return to your first love and let the brightness of his presence just peel back all the blockages from your heart, getting unquarked in your heart, getting unstopped in your spirit. Anything that your soul from the world and from sin and from just living life in the dust of the earth and from the valley of the shadow of death and anything external that has quarked and capped your spirit, you can get unquarked. 
Just get that cork right off your spirit tonight and give your mind a drink from Christ in you. And you discover a rich treasury of glory. You discover the kingdom of heaven. Is it just wine cellar inside you? Is it just brightness and joy inside you? No, it's the whole kingdom of heaven inside you. Luke 17, 21. Jesus Christ, red letters now. He says, don't look for the kingdom over there. Don't look for the kingdom over here. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is within you. And when the kingdom of heaven's within your spirit, you'll be manifesting it through your soul all around you like the armor of God. You have the kingdom of heaven within you. Now it's time to take your mind into the kingdom, get your mind renewed by the kingdom within you. The renewal of the mind is the transfiguration of your hearts and your souls and your bones and your marrow and your organs. The Bible says in Romans 12 to be transfigured, metamorphosis in Greek, by the renewal of your mind and by the washing of the water of the word. How can the brain transfigure the body? Because the brain is a reflection of what's going on in your heart. Out of your heart, your mouth speaks. So the head speaks from the heart. So if you have a circumcised heart, Romans chapter 2, you're going directly into your spirit, and inside your spirit is Jesus Christ in His throne room and His kingdom. So that out of your spirit, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, which means you can tap in to as much of the Father's throne and the throne of Jesus Christ and the seven spirits of God before His throne within the temple, if you understand the plumbing of the temple of the new covenant, not just in biology, You don't need faith to understand that and how your bodies work. You need faith to understand how your spirit works inside the body. Your spirits that have souls that live in bodies. And when your spirit grows by eating the Word of God and believing the Word of God, your spirit gets stronger than your outer man. So you look right into your spirit and your spirit's transfigured by believing every word from God and doing every word from God that the Father has commanded you to do. When you fulfill that word and do that word, not just hearers, doers also of the word, your spirit gets brighter. And he will come through the brightness of your spirit. He will come like rain. He will come like rivers. He will come like streams. Your spirit has all the potential possibility in it of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the seven spirits of God and all the angels of Mount Zion. Because the kingdom of heaven, Luke 17, 21, is inside you. And it's not outside you unless it came from inside you. And if you're experiencing it outside, it came from someone who knows it on the inside. Give honor where honors due. Every manifestation of heaven and all the earth came through men and women's spirit who believe the word and manifest the kingdom. Out of your belly flows rivers of what? John 7, 38. If anyone is thirsty, come to me. And out of their innermost being, King James Version, belly, will flow rivers of living water. But of this he spoke of the Holy Ghost. How many? He said plural. Seven rivers. In Revelation... The Holy Spirit's called the seven spirits of God. And that's the fullness of the anointing of the Messiah of Isaiah 11 2. Jesus in you is anointed in you and rising in you with the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge 
And the Spirit of the Fear of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. Who? The body of Christ. The bride of Christ. Married to the Messiah, not just externally, but internally inside the temple. And beginning to experience all of his ways, all of his thoughts, all of his powers, all of his authorities, all of his might, all of his dunamis, dead-raising power. Amen. And you have it in you. Rick Joyner says the body of Christ has the lion of the tribe of Judah caged up inside their own heart. You got to open the cage. That's what we're trying to do tonight. For you open your heart and release the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know what that's going to do? It's going to get wild. He's a wild lion like the lion, the witch, in the wardrobe. Aslan around here. He's not a tame lion. He's a wild lion. And when there's a lot of chaos and confusion going on, he's far away. And that little girl just believed that he was still alive and that he was still working behind the scenes. And because of her faith, she kept seeing Aslan. No one else could see Aslan except the childlike faith, representing through whatever you go through, if the external shadow realm of the valley of death and the natural realm, mainly through idolatry, the idolatry of the five senses connected to the external realm is what blinds us to the kingdom of heaven realm. The kingdom of heaven realm is in gentleness and in kindness. It's in light. It's in childlike innocence. It's in absolute white dove purity. And so oftentimes, just by being in the world and surrounded by total depravity in every direction, it will dim the ability to see God in ourselves and in others. And so we just get influenced by the world. And that's why you need your senses fully exercised. It says that in Hebrews, the mature ones have their senses exercised. And it's exorcisms through exercise, not just the treadmill or lifting weights, but the spiritual muscle of the inner man built up by the Word of God, learning how to eat. That's how we get strong in faith, is we're just done getting beat up by the devil every day. He's trying to kill us, for we don't even know why he hates us so much. We just go through so much in this life. And so we just have to get stronger spiritual, spiritually to deal with these external demons always attacking us, always tempting us, always hurting us, killing, stealing, destroying all around us, the persecution in 2022 against Brother Ministries is the all-time height of persecution. The stuff that we've dealt with as a group and an online community and a, a local community is astronomical. And they burned down the whole block of power cables and cords and internet cables and all the, the power was out and the internet was out for seven days. We haven't dealt with stuff like this in this ministry ever. It's been pretty intense. Why does the devil hate us so much? Because we love God so much and we hate the devil so much and we're learning how to destroy the works of the devil. How Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power and went around doing good, destroying all the power of the devil. Which means when you begin to understand the anointing and use it properly in different ways, the enemy will turn on you. And the enemy is a lot more involved in the USA than a lot of people think. He's very cunning in America. People think just because there's all kinds of Pentecostalism, charismatic stuff going on. What my experience has been, the American church is steeped in the Laodicean spirit of the seventh church of Revelation 3. That there is so much charismatic activity, so much even charismatic stuff on television 
that we don't even realize that we're sleeping and that there's so much more available. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. God is wanting to awaken us to levels of awakeness and wokeness and get so woke that the devil gets broke. To get so awakened that people can start to see the glory cloud, the manifest Shekinah of God the Father. And it's not just prophets and mystic seers that are seen into heaven. That every unbeliever, every single man, woman, and child can feel it the radiation of God's sevenfold Holy Spirit. They can begin to feel the energy, the power, the brightness of the parousia of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with His brightness, with His glory, and all their five physical senses begin to be ecstatic in experiencing the angelic realm of the heavens through their senses all the time. A lot of people in this generation are going to feel it before they even believe in it. And you'll have to explain to them from the encounter what's going on. And they'll believe, just like in Acts chapter 2, they had to, to feel and see and consume their five senses with that Pentecostal laughing drunken glory of Peter up there speaking in tongues, having to explain they're not drunk on alcohol. We're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. This is the Holy Spirit. We just got whacked in the glory in the midst of all this religious activity and the overflow of the drunken glory of Acts chapter 2 physically touched 3,000 people in Jerusalem that day and then Peter explained it from scripture and preached to them and because they'd experienced it when he explained it to them what they were experiencing they began to believe and 3,000 were added under added under to the 120 in the upper room that day so it went from 120, just waiting up there for 40 days for the Holy Ghost, tarrying in Jerusalem till you receive power from on high, to 3,120 in the same quality of life as the apostles. This is a little bit different now, because they'd be going up to the temple, and if there's lame and weak people, they would just pull them up in the name of Jesus, be healed. Then they get incarcerated. Then they got beaten. The Bible says they were taken and whipped for preaching the name of Jesus. So when you begin walking in great light with signs and miracles and wonders and healings and the book of Acts begins to happen in the USA at a really, really bright level of glory, oftentimes it's not met with favor. Oftentimes it's met with opposition from religious people who are running the churches on the street corner and say, that's not the correct expression of Christianity. That's not how we've been doing it in our traditions and our charismatic meetings. We don't let it go that wild. God is going to break some boxes when you let the river of life become Lord and master of those temples. Ezekiel 47 is a temple of the river of life. And you know from Scripture, John 7:38, out of your belly flows rivers. Ezekiel 47 is prophesying the power and the glory of the new covenant temple, not in Israel in you a son of God which is Hebrew for Israel in the Israel of God Galatians chapter 6 in you Jews who are circumcised of heart not just from the lineage of Abraham Isaac and Jacob they've been cut off so you can be engrafted in Romans 11 it is written amen so that out of your heart comes the temple of the glory of God 
each Christian filled with the Holy Spirit and manifesting the Ezekiel 47 river is greater than Solomon's temple. The least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Jesus Christ said, was the greatest prophet in the entire Old Covenant. Greater than Solomon. Jesus said it. I believe it. That means the least in the kingdom is greater than Solomon. Solomon really was just all external, killing all kinds of external animals to prop himself up in the forgiveness of sin and his kingdom was split in half. Solomon's probably the most immoral man who's ever lived. Truth in you. But because of your father David, who was after God's own heart, I'm not going to have you lose the kingdom on your watch. But your kids, they'll split it up. Half will go to the northern part of Israel, and then Judah be separated, and they have two kingdoms, a kingdom divided that cannot stand. An earthly representation of Israel they will one day have a heavenly representation of the book of Revelation of the 144,000. Of those will be the true manifest Israel of God, sons of God. Of what God's original design for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. And I know we're all over the place, but this is what the Spirit's doing. I don't teach from notes. I just, I just flow in the river and teach what the river is showing me as it passes through a TV screen in front of my spirit right now. He's, he's, he wants you people to become Israelites and sons of God and, and not have the Jewish religious stuff of Kabbalah just mixing with your Christianity with no mixture of sorcery and witchcraft and external stuff but the pure manifest forms of what God the Father designed for you in the beginning as sons and daughters. Adam and Eve were not Jewish. Enoch was not Jewish. Abraham was the first Jew. The generations of the Gospel of Luke go all the way back to Adam. Okay? So, salvation comes through the Jews. Jesus Christ crossed as King of the Jews, but He ascended into heaven for salvation for everyone, and that's ultimately through racism, because He brought light to the Gentiles that they killed Him. And the Bible says those things too. Jesus was stepping on their toes. It was these foreigners that helped Elijah. The Bible tells you that. His first day of full-time ministry at his synagogue in Nazareth, when he told them that salvation was going to the Gentiles and not the Jews, his home church, first day of full-time ministry, a man like you and I that has the Holy Spirit, just like you and I, they were, he was kicked out, not just kicked out, they brought him to the edge of a cliff to kill him. First day of ministry for Jesus Christ. He said, oh, it must have been really easy for him. No, attempted murder, first day from his home church. And you can just write that off as some Jewish synagogue stuff. It'd be the same day, same thing today. It's if you get a radical conversion in the glory of God, get raptured in the third heaven, sent back into your Baptist church, sent back into your Pentecostal church, and they just completely shred you. Your parents say, if you continue saying this stuff, do this stuff, we're going to kick you out of the house. They'll call the cops and they'll have you arrested. they put you in a mental institute. They put you on psychotropics, psychotropics. They put you on all kinds of mentally ill medication. And people do that all the time to their kids when they encounter heaven. And they kill that spiritual stuff through their minds and their hearts and bring them back into just a fleshly state that can be controlled through religion. So we need, we don't want the crazy demonic stuff that you see people acting wild. We don't want gathering demoniac, but we want a healthy atmosphere for experiencing the seven heavens 
understanding ecstasies, understanding mystical encounters, a safe open heavens to practice spirituality, to practice righteousness, to practice wisdom, to practice purity, and to have constant encounters with God, which is normal Christianity for every single person in the Bible, without the demons, without the, the weirdness, but it's okay to be weird in the holiness. It's okay to be a peculiar people in ecstasies. It's okay to laugh for no reason all the time because you're experiencing a rapture around your family at breakfast. <laughs> and you don't have to explain it. You can just pour the joy on them. And they might be offended at first, but if you're consistent in it and they realize it's actually just good fruit from sanctification, you're actually just pure now. And the more pure you are, the more power is flowing out of you. And so they begin to have an understanding, like this person isn't doing the self-destructive acts anymore. They're actually getting healed. They're delivered. They're actually helping people. They don't like the form it came through. I've noticed in all my works with drug addicts over the years, we've had so many drug addicts over the years, so many alcoholics, we've delivered so many people, met with so many people, that they don't like the deliverance that comes from heaven. The families are looking for a deliverance to be good human beings. God doesn't have the ability to produce the knowledge of good human beings. That's not even in his kingdom. That's in the kingdom of Satan. They're looking for the knowledge of good in the flesh. So when they get born again, when they get filled with the Holy Spirit, they have radical encounters with heaven. It actually produces something worse to many family members that they're unhappy with, even though they're set free from drugs and alcohol and from sin and from abuse and hurting themselves and hurting others. They don't a human nature does not like how God delivers people, but God don't care. God's not a people person. Galatians chapter 1, it says, If my gospel is for pleasing men, I'd be no servant of God. You have to choose to serve God's ways and separate yourself further and further away from man's ways. And when you do so, it produces a realm called the kingdom of heaven. So deliverance happens to everyone who enters the kingdom. So you have a society now. I remember when we had Fox 9 News in this room a few, several years ago. They said, you deal with a lot of vulnerable people, don't you? And the knowledge of good just came out of the self-righteous reporter being like, oh, we just deal with all these just terrible, terrible crackheads or something. And and like, I, I don't need this kind of glory stuff that you're into. I'm just a, you know, a self-righteous person. That came out of this reporter so intensely just writing off this whole segment of Christianity as for people that are super screwed up. The super screwed up need a super screwed up version of Christianity and that's what this drunken glory stuff is. And that's ultimately what she was expressing because she was self-justifying going to church on Sunday morning. She's a believer in Jesus Christ and her whole white picket fence reality in the suburbs, if she were to embrace and open her heart to what I'm experiencing as normal Christianity, it would dissolve the matrix of her suburban Laodicean Christianity. So in order to hold on to her matrix around her soul, she had to condemn what we're doing as just for crazy crackheads. And that's what Americans do. That's what Laodicean matrix is, people. And we want to expose because you don't have to act crazy, but you do have to come into the glory. And when you come into the glory, you will feel it. And you're going to have joy. And it's going to glorify your personality. It's going to bless you. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. 
To those that are accursed, it's a curse. But to those that are blessed, it's a blessing. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled, all things are defiled. God wants to sanctify our hearts and our minds and our bodies out of darkness. Gross darkness on the people and darkness on the land into His present glory. Christ in you. The glory realm. He wants you to live in the glory realm. He wants you to take your whole life into the glory. He wants every single one of you to become apostolic, which means all of your life, all of your work, all of your relationships are literally inside the kingdom of heaven, in His glory, in His presence, blessed around the angels, angels in the marketplace, angels in relationships. Instead of having demonic relationships, you have angelic relationships. Instead of having cursed, selfish, manipulative acts of wickedness in the marketplace. It's very competitive. They just murder people out there like it's no one's business to control money and the flow of money in the marketplace is like a war zone. It's intense. But to bring your marketplace into Zion, to bring your business, to bring all your skills, your life, even the brushing of your teeth and the cleaning of your house and the house chores and everything you do, to bring every aspect of life and make it holy to the Lord. That's ultimately what sanctification is doing, not just in spirit, but in soul, in mind, in thought, in deed, in house, in city, and nation, to bring a people into the mountain of the Lord. The Bible says every person that comes onto the mountain of the Lord is holy to the Lord. That's the name of the mountain in the Bible, holy to the Lord. Come up the mountain and be holy, commands the Lord, it is written. And Moses commanded all Israel to come up the mountain, but they weren't willing because they were scared of losing Egypt that was still in their hearts. Idolatry. So instead of coming up the mountain and getting totally sanctified from all worldliness, they stayed down in the sand and built the idols that were already in their hearts from Egypt. They remember the Sphinx. They remember the, the Great Pyramids. They, all this stuff. They were brick builders. They were building buildings made by human hands. So instead of coming up the mountain and growing in the glory that they were seeing through Moses, that he was brighter than the sun shining on the mountain with horn-like appearance that is written and, and the splendor and the Shekinah beaming out of his face. 40 days on the mountain with no food, no water, none of it, because he was eating in heaven. He was eating the glory, discipled face to face by Jesus Christ on Mount Sinai. And he'd come down and he tried to impart it into everyone, but instead of receiving the glory and going into heaven and allowing the curse of the fall and everything of the earth realm to be burned off of them, they insisted on the idols of Egypt that were in their hearts. And it was a different manifestation. They didn't build a sphinx. They didn't build a pyramid. They built a golden calf because it was a mixture of their Jewish religion with, you know, because in the Jewish religion, you sacrifice bulls. Solomon sacrificed 3,000 bulls. It's not so bad if we just sacrifice a bull, a calf. You see, maybe it's the Baal of Peor, but what it really was is Jewish or Christian religion where you're still in control of your idolatrous faith. It's something that your brain is wrapped around that you're still in control. Because if you go up onto the mountain, you're no longer in control. That light up there, the living God, is in control of your heart and your mind. And it's the losing of control down below that keeps people at those low elevations. Many of them aren't even real Christians. In the sand, all of them perished. The ones that went up the mountain and believed, the ones that believed the good report, they went in and inherited the promised land. But there was only how many? 
two of that whole generation, Joshua and Caleb, and every other person who built the idol of Egypt and served the golden calf, died and perished in the wilderness. Even Moses on the mountain, who had stopped aging without wrinkle, Deuteronomy 34, had to be killed by Jesus, the angel of the Lord, and his spirit taken into heaven, and Michael the archangel wrestling Satan for the body of Moses, and then Michael the archangel takes his body and puts it on Moses in heaven. And the Bible says that. So that Moses is in heaven in the flesh, Elijah's in heaven in the flesh, and they're descending on Mount Hermon, the mountain of transfiguration, in the flesh and talking to Jesus Christ on the mountain of transfiguration in Matthew 17. It's a new mountain. It's the same glory, but it's a new covenant of that mountain. And the same reaction came forth from Peter, James, and John. Let us build three shelters, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus Christ. So let us build a golden calf, Sinai. Let us build churches, Mount Hermon. That's what it is. Shelters, churches. Let us build buildings made by human hands. And we're not against buildings. We're in the building right now. What it is, it's the soul still controlling and expressing the manifestation of divinity. It's the soul in charge. It's the curse reacting to the freedom of the glory realm. And every single person's heart and mind reacts negatively to the glory, usually for years before they grow up to a place in their inner man to allow the glory of the Father to be their constant open heavens, to live in the heavenlies. When we're younger in the Lord, I remember when I was in Bible college, I mean, these things, I couldn't even imagine them. I could not have imagined. My spirit had to grow. I prayed in tongues. I read the Bible. I did as much as I knew how to in my Pentecostal upbringing to grow my spirit and to be obedient and to be righteous and do all these things. But I couldn't even fathom my spirit being built up so high that I encounter angels all the time, signs, miracles, and wonders. Yesterday, we have a Jesus, Akiena Jesus painting in our apartment. And when we came down from the hot tub, there was like this diamond rainbow oil coming out of the picture of Jesus all over the wall. And we had just walked by it and there was no oil, there was no water, nothing. It's it's crystal clean in that apartment. There was, it looked like rainbow diamond living oil that come not, came out of Jesus Christ in the painting and splattered over the wall. So we took that oil from heaven and prayed for each other. She put some in her water bottle and began drinking it. <laughs> and I'm telling you now, there's signs and wonders all the time. I couldn't imagine that stuff in Bible college. Diamond rainbow oil coming out of a picture of Jesus splattering the whole wall. I probably would have manifested demons in Bible college. You know, we're still getting delivered from religion. Now we're just used to signs and wonders. We're used to the glory of heaven changing the elements, melting the elements, melting the molecules, melting the atoms, and just taking over the natural realm, however the angels want to take it over by our believing hearts. And we just expect that stuff all the time. And so signs and wonders and miracles glorify the Father through the melting down of the curse in the natural realm, at a molecule level, at a DNA level. Jesus Christ is coming after the restoration of all DNA. Acts 3.21, it is written, the restoration of all things. Things has to do with the natural realm. Peter says the same thing in his epistle. 
that all the heavens will be turned to righteousness, all of the earth will be turned to righteousness, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat at the coming of the Lord. And the word they're coming is not just Jesus showing up in a cloud. It's Jesus coming through you, parousia, which is an ever-increasing presence practiced in the temple of Jesus, His bride, your bodies. He's going to come right through you as bright as you want Him to every day. You are the portal of the third heaven. You are the portal of the throne room of glory. Out of your heart will flow as much of Jesus Christ and the manifestations you're acceptable with. That's what will come forth. If it's just morality, you'll be moral. If it's just good, you'll be good. If it's angels, signs and wonders, and gemstones the size of buckets, you probably get gemstones. You might get oil. You might cast mountains into the sea. It's literally the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of the love of God in Christ Jesus, your bandwidth of your faith, of how much of heaven you'll tolerate through your spirit, soul, mind, and body to materialize as temples of the Holy Ghost into the natural dimension. Solomon's temple was the glory of all nations. One temple, made with human hands. Your temple was not made by human hands. It is God's own handiwork. Your body, every part of it, your spirit, every part of it, your soul, every part of it, was designed by God the Creator to bring as much of Him through it as you want all the time so people that want some of the higher things the more mystical things they get them seek and you will find knock and the door will be open ask and you shall receive if your earthly fathers give you fish and loaves when you ask for them they don't give you snakes and rocks how much more will your father in heaven give you the holy spirit for those who ask him the gospel of luke says which means the holy spirit is going to bring some pretty wild stuff through you and he's Jesus Christ said in the red letters, And you, though you, you are evil fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father give you the Holy Spirit? He called the earthly fathering evil, but the heavenly fathering righteous, holy, just, and glorious. The good Father. The Father of all fatherdom. And He wants the fathering standard of men to rise up into the standard of God the Father's fathering, through our spirit, souls, minds, and bodies. We don't have to be any less in manifesting God's nature on earth as it is in heaven is the standard in Matthew chapter 6. And it's not hard, it's easy and light. You just have to yield to unknown stuff manifesting through you that will be questionable, especially growing up in this Laodicean religious society. Growing up in a a realm that is not used to the supernatural all the time. And you have to make the supernatural your natural state of being and it becomes normal just to live in a manifest glory cloud. It becomes normal to just be transported into the wine cellar, transported into the treasure house, transported into the Garden of Eden, transported into the cosmos, walking the path of stars with Enoch and Uriel the archangel, doing all, standing on the sun. The angel, which is a normal believer's spirit, a new creature in Christ. If anyone's joining the Lord, they're one spirit with the Lord, one spirit. Well, one spirit, the word spirit there is pneuma, also used for angel, is standing on the sun in the book of Revelation. Your spirit can go into the sun. The sun's like 12 million Kelvin, but your spirit's like perfect temperature. I'm like, it's perfect in here. Your spirit loves the heat of the sun and will transfer it down 
the light of the sun directly through your bodies on earth. Sun of righteousness rising with healing in his wings and beams. S-U-N. And they shall shine forth in the kingdom of their father in the sun. S-U-N. Jesus said, sun in the sun. He's the sun in the sun. The healing of the luminaries, the healing of the cosmos, the healing of lights, father of lights. And your spirit is a light and your spirit can do all the things that Jesus does in the Bible and all the things that angels do in the Bible. Your spirit is not limited to just the religious constraints of false Christianity on planet Earth saying, just be good down here. That's what the curse of the fall wants you to be. The, the warlocks and the sorcerers of religion just want people controlled by external do's and don'ts. That's antichrist. That's false Christianity. Real Christianity is having a born-again spirit standing on the sun and the wicked Kabbalists in politics lose all their power and all the manipulation of the luminaries and all the sorceries of the sorcerers controlling everyone in religion on the face of the earth just gets obliterated with true light for the healing of the luminaries will come forth from the east and the west and you will be the flame of the west from the rising of the sun in the east and your spirit is above the flame of fire in the sky in the east and the whole sun will shine through your spirit and set in the west that's a paraphrase of enoch but it is the truth anyhow and that's what i'm experiencing this week the rising of the sun in the east and the east represents the spirit and when your spirit's built up in righteousness in the seven spirits of god by the power of the holy ghost as the children of the resurrection where do you get resurrected to well the bible tells you first the sun i saw a woman standing on the moon clothed in the sun wearing a crown of 12 stars revelation 12 1 it is written this ain't that mystical it's completely scriptural so you're clothed in the sun standing on the moon first and then you go upon the sun standing on the sun and when you're standing on the sun the sun rises underneath your spirit and transfers light and energy and electromagnetic power into your heart you only need seven volts to live forever in that body and to reverse aging i will renew your youth like the eagle i mean eagle's the only bird that flies into the sun it's a people that conquered death by conquering the sun and healing the luminaries and your spirit knows how to do it the brain's just like man that's crazy that's wild stuff that's like sun worship no it's not no god created the sun the moon the stars and said it was good on the fourth day genesis it is written it's getting back the lights that the fallen angels have been stealing from to control people on earth through sorcery the curse of the fall is sorcery the manipulation of the luminaries it's written in enoch and it's written in the bible if you read it we're taking back the sun and the moon and the stars through righteousness through holiness and most importantly through purity and it's the purity in our hearts in our minds for god's will and his pure worship that purity is essential for not getting weird in sorcery when you start to get into the luminaries because you'll get into kabbalah real quickly if you start to get into temptations of lust that's why they have all the kinds of weird orgies all kinds of sexual cults out there you look at madonna i mean she's if only christians were as zealous for righteousness as madonna is zealous for molech she is outspoken for kabbalah and moloch and the pale owl of all sexual morality under the sun and so you have the bohemian grove stuff is real you read about the groves in jubilees chapter one they will set up uh, groves to their demon gods and sacrifice their children in the groves 
the Kabbalists and the, the Freemason warlock and the daughters of the Eastern Star and the Job's daughters and the 66 different groups of sorcerers and the, all these secret societies and it's real. It's real. There's one on every street corner. They're using altars to fallen angels to control the light of the luminaries in their spirit. We're going to teach righteousness so that wickedness and the deep secrets of Jezebel of Revelation chapter 2, and these are the deep secrets of Satan. And I'm not going to teach on the deep secrets of Satan, but we will expose all the works of the devil so you're not unaware of his schemes, it is written. You don't need to learn all of that stuff. You don't need to learn Kabbalah. You need to learn righteousness. And the teaching of righteousness and the preaching of righteousness of Noah is necessary to bring the floods, to end the curse of the fall. Unless we understand the luminaries, unless we understand God's original design, it's not just spirit. It's spirit over creation. He gave them dominion over the sun and the moon and the stars. If we just let the sorcerers of the sun and the moon and the stars control the power of the luminaries and we stay down here on the earth in some kind of Gnostic Christianity, denying the natural realm and just fearful and paranoid about the sun and the moon and the stars and then using all the scriptures in darkness to stay away from the light of the power of the sun of righteousness with healing in its beams, Malachi 4 it is written, and we just stay down in the dust of the earth. You'll never make a dent against the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is cosmic. It is the counterfeit shadows outside of the stars of the heavens. That's why the Bible says, We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, spiritual wickedness. Where? In second heavens places. Heavenly places, not on the earth. How can it be in the second heavens while you're down on earth? Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is... A cosmic tree of knowledge outside of the luminaries the thief comes only to kill steal and destroy it is a shadow form of the true tree of life of the path of Enoch understanding the book of Enoch is essential during this time Jesus Christ and his 12 Apostles all considered the book of Enoch scripture it's quoted in Jude it's quoted in Revelation Jesus quotes it directly in the Gospels you cannot be revelatory and understanding these times unless you understand Enoch. And there's a reason why the Roman Catholic Church burned anyone at the stake for a thousand years that read Enoch. You could read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but if you read Enoch, you're killed. The only book of the Bible that Adolf Hitler tried to rid in all the world was Enoch. He didn't care about Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, only Enoch, because Enoch is the door into righteousness. Enoch was canonized scripture for 500 years in the Bible, and Jesuit warlocks took it out of the Bible. I'm telling you now, Getting back into Enoch opens up these realms of understanding the healing of the luminaries, the healing of the sun under your spirit, the healing of the moon under your spirit, the healing of all the stars. The Bible says that the stars do not forsake you, they do not harm you, but their splendor gives you life, and that splendor cannot harm you. There is radiance. These stars are not bad. They're good. There's a reason why there's such a war for the Christian's mind against the second heaven's dimension. It is truly the tree of life up into the third heaven. It is truly the path of Enoch. It is truly the cosmic tree of life. On earth, the roots of David, the seven spirits of God. Once you go a little higher, getting out of the, the earth, Song of Solomon says you find the secret stairway in the sky. Your spirit can find it because it's written in the Bible. And the word will illuminate the path before you. The path ain't lateral. The path is vertical. 
Jesus didn't go lateral. Who goes lateral? Job. To and fro. Satan. So satanic Christianity is lateral. Real Christianity, out of Egypt I raised my son. Where did he raise him to? Vertically, right up into the third heaven, through the cloud in the sky in Acts chapter 1. Real Christianity is vertical. We've had only lateral Christianity, for the most part, during the church age for 2,000 years. That's not apostolic first century Christianity. Vertical Christianity is what you get arrested for, what you get persecuted for, what you get attacked for, smeared, slandered, and gossiped about for. Vertical Christianity destroys all the powers of the Satans in the second heavens, the principalities, Molech, Pan, all of them, Abaddon, they're named in scripture. And so if you start to take out second heavens demon gods, you know, all the gods of Egypt, where were those gods? Ra, right up in the sun. They were in the heavens. Saturn is one of them. Remphan is another one. Molech. All these demon gods are mentioned in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 7. They're throughout the whole Bible. They're called the Baals. They're all these things, but they were cosmic. This is why in Judges 5.20, Deborah had to war with the stars in order to defeat Satan or Sisera. There's a level of maturity in the, in the judgments of Jesus Christ of your maturity. Judgment is what purifies you and cleanses you to such a level of purity that you can begin warring with the luminaries, warring with the stars. Now, this is the verse. Judges chapter 5, verse 20. And the stars warred from their courses against Sisera. <laughs> and the stars will war for you against whatever thing is negative in your life. This is not paganism. This is God's creation. He's the maker of heaven and earth. This is the children of God taking back the names of the stars and the names of the moon and the name of the sun. The book of Enoch gives the sun five names. The book of Enoch gives the moon four names. It's personified. God created the sun, the moon, and the stars and their hosts. The word host there is their angels. So you have the rock full of helium and hydrogen exploding like atomic levels just blowing up in power. And then you have the angel of that star. So the angel of the sun is a Ophanim, the chariot of the sun, it's called an Enoch. And so there's an angel corresponding to every star in the heaven. What's Satan called? The red dragon whose tail swept one third of the stars. Well, you know those stars as fallen angels or demons, but in a higher level of wisdom and righteousness and Christian maturity, John's calling them stars. And Jude, who's an apostle and half-brother of Jesus Christ, came out of the same womb, Mary, Jude says, the fallen angels are wandering stars. So you're dealing with a cosmic realm of fallen angels and fallen stars warring against believers, warring against people that love Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and only when you get cosmic, I'm telling you now, it takes a maturity, a Shulamite warlord, a Judge Deborah level of maturity as a bride of Christ to deal against these demon gods in the second heavens with all of their powers warring against us. We're going to begin to war with the power of the luminaries. The book of Enoch, chapter 91. And after that, there shall be another, the eighth week, that of righteousness. And a sword shall be given to it that a righteous judgment may, may be executed on the oppressors. And sinners shall be delivered into the hands of the righteous. And at its close, they shall acquire houses through their righteousness. And a house shall be built for the great king in glory 
forevermore. And all mankind shall look to the path of uprightness. The path of uprightness is the path of the inner man. Philippians 3 verse 11 says, Having obtained the moral and spiritual resurrection out from among the dead, even while in the body. Philippians 3 verse 11, Obtaining spiritual and moral resurrection out from among the dead, which is all the natural earthly dimension, the dust of the earth, even while in the body. It's the resurrection of the human spirit. Your spirit has all the same stuff as the angel of the Lord who made heaven and earth in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, because you're his brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible says. You're born of the incorruptible sperm of the word of God that cannot sin. That's what 1 John says. And so you have God's sperm genetics in your spirit. And when your spirit gets bigger and brighter and cleaner and higher and you depend more on your spirit's ability and less on your flesh ability, you begin to walk in uprightness. How upright is your spirit? As high as the sky, higher than that still. Your spirit can have the uprightness to be the very gates of heaven. People listen to you and they believe it. They go straight up into rapture. Their spirit get filled up with everything you have in you that's impartable to everyone around you. If they have faith for it, if they can receive it, if they're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, they shall be filled. Well, where are they going to be filled? They're going to be filled with God the Father in the third heaven. They're going to be filled with the Lamb of God in the third heaven. They're going to experience the glory and the resurrection that lifts them out from among the dead, even while in the body. Uprightness. How high and how right and how up can your uprightness be? There's no cap to it. The seventh heavens goes on forever. Once you get into the third heaven, go into the fourth heaven, fifth heaven, sixth heaven, seventh heaven. Enoch says there's seven heavens. The seventh heaven goes on forever. So there's, there's no cap in God. On earth, everyone's capped. You can't go that high. You can't talk about this crazy stuff. They say that's Zoroastrianism. They'll say that's paganism. That's the worship of the sun and the star and the moon. And don't look up into the heavens like Jesus. When Jesus looked up into the heavens, he saw his father and raised the dead. That's what the Bible says. But there's a looking to God on the inside because the seven spirits of God are sent into all the earth. Revelation 5, 6. The Holy Ghost sanctifies you on the inside, builds up your spirit, purifies your spirit. The purpose of the seven spirits of God, God's sevenfold Holy Spirit, is for the maturing of the inner man, your person. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. And if your spirit gets stronger and stronger and stronger, you will rise. It's the strength of your spirit that causes the resurrection by valuing spiritual things. What does the Apostle Paul say in the Bible? The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Because that's where you need it. Because your spirit gets stronger and stronger until your mind is transfigured by looking at your spirit's ability and less and less your flesh ability. You still use your flesh because you like coffee and that's wonderful too. But you'll make coffee in the spirit. You'll, you'll, everything you'll do now because your spirit's built up will have glory on it and your spirit becomes a priority and your flesh gets consumed by your spirit and so your flesh gets glorified your flesh is the temple of your spirit and the Holy Spirit in blood covenant inside those bodies and if you let the Holy Ghost have his way in your spirit the Holy Spirit takes up more and more space and so does your spirit he is weaning the child the inner child the Holy Ghost is raising the child the Holy Spirit's job sent from Jesus Christ is to raise spiritual offspring for God the Father. To raise a people mature in spiritual things with spiritual ability. Who consume their hearts and minds. Who consume the animal nature of the flesh and blood. Who consume the beast, the animal in the brain, the 666 in the brain. The ability of the flesh in the brain and the ability of flesh in the hand. Where is 666 written? In the, in the brain and in the hand. What is that? A, a believer who's trusting in the flesh, 
who trust in knowledge in their mind and the ability of their own strength in their hand. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's all about removing the animal's ability, the mark of the animal from the head and the hands. The only part that were left of Jezebel when she was pushed out the window, head in the hands. All the witchcraft and sorcery of staying in the body after you're born again and, and just using the excuse of I don't need to transfigure my body and get more spiritual than I'm uncomfortable with, fitting into a natural society where I can just submit to the world and then and self-justify with a Christian teaching that self-justifies, which is Jezebel. Jezebel is a sorcerer pretending to be a prophetess. She who calls herself a prophetess but is not. Jezebel is not just lust, but she is all sexual morality. Jezebel is sorcery. Jezebel is charismatic sorcery and using it in the flesh and self-justifying and not transforming the flesh and making room for more of God's angelic nature. God is an angel. Where is that written? John 4, 24. Those who worship God must worship in angelic form and in truth. Spirit, angel, same word in Hebrew. Same exact word in Greek as well. God is the spirit. Those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. Well, if we're not in spirit or in our new creature in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 form, and we're just in some kind of carnal form and we're just out here bewitched under a Jezebel magic art spell on her head, having begun in the spirit, trying to finish in the flesh under Jezebel's bewitchment, Galatians 3, 1 through 3, we're going to miss the calling of God upon our spirit. We're going to miss maturity. We need to mature our spirits in the mature things of God. We need it more now than ever. All the wisdom of the prophets of the last 2,000 years of Christianity down here. You, as hungry as you are for the deep things and the mystical things and the powerful things of God, they're being served to you on a silver platter. And when the wor world gets darker, this silver platter of Melchizedek, teacher of righteousness, priesthood of righteousness, is going to become more and more appealing to people that are in a dark, dark world full of Kabbalah and sorcery and Kabbalah politics and Kabbalah economies and Kabbalah militaries and a Kabbalah seven mountains of fallen angels and all of that nonsense of Satan. That's It's Kabbalah. Why? Because the Bible says it's from the synagogue of Satan of the Jewish religion that's rejected Messiah. Revelation 2 and 3 it is written. Jesus Christ said that about his own people. The ones that continue practicing that Judaism up with the rejection of Messiah have, are the sorcerers of Babylon the Great. That's why they always use the Star of David on everything. It's, an, it's against Messiah on purpose. 33rd Scottish Rite ritual is called the killing of the King of the Jews, guys. And the Scottish Rite right on the mountain of Curve up here. And I've met with them, and they're sorcerers. And we've talked of sorcery, we talk about false morning star, we talk about Kabbalah, we talk about all these things. This is common knowledge in Freemasonry for 500 years. And Christians think it's just a Christian uh, organization, just a male fraternity. I'm telling you now, it's the understanding of the tree of knowledge at a cosmic level, working with angels of light that deceive. And the only reason they have light is because they took it from Enoch's path outside the stars in a counterfeit tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That whole tree is going to burn. 
That is how we set the world free, by the destruction of sorcery. Unless you are attacking sorcery and righteousness by the sun rising in your spirit, with healing in its wings, with healing in its beams, and standing on the sun in the book of Revelation, and healing the luminaries, and warring with Deborah's stars under your angel, not submitting to this stuff above your angel, not worshiping in this stuff. This stuff is longing for the manifest sons of God to be liberated from the curse, Romans 8 says. All creation longs for the revealing of God's mature ones. The mature ones have all the luminaries under their spirit. And when it's under your spirit, it's automatically transferred to your heart and to your brain and to your bones and marrow. And you can have reverse aging too. You don't need to pay the doctors. You just need to pay Dr. Jesus and get good with Chief Surgeon Archangel Raphael. And I'm telling you, it's going to revolutionize, revolutionize your lives. And it's cutting edge, it's pioneer, it's fringe. Right now, it's going to become normal. Welcome to normal righteousness at an Enoch level. We're going to pioneer it. It's brand new. It's being introduced now in this time. We've been warring for this in this ministry. And it took me getting drunk on the anointing and getting into Elijah for 16 years to come to a place of maturity in my spirit where I could be introduced to Enoch introduced to Uriel, Raphael, Gabriel, Michael, introduced to the book of Enoch and actually understand it in the intelligence of my spirit by the burning of my brain in the white Shekinah glory. That's it. So totally sacrificing the natural ability for spiritual ability. The spirit man has all the genius of God the Father in it. Every single one of you are geniuses. Why? Christ in you. You have God in you. It doesn't get any smarter than God. It, when you limit yourself to your brain, you're limiting all your divine nature in your spirit. And God just wants the cap to come off of ourselves, off our souls, off our minds, off our persons. And He wants the cap to be Him. Because the new covenant is that you're yoked to Him and He's sharing with you all that He is. And so Jesus died on the cross not just for the forgiveness of sin, but the raising up of our spirit into all of his abilities. God's coming back to a bride equally yoked to him with spiritual ability that's ruling this world in righteousness. It's not defeated by any politics or any militaries. It's, we're not going into FEMA camps. We're not going, we're not going to be martyred. We're going to destroy all the powers of the cosmic demon gods and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is a basic understanding, an elementary understanding of how to even fathom that possibility of removing the curse of the fall from this universe. Jesus has predestined, foreordained a generation of mystics that will understand Enoch and walk the same path as Enoch, which is the whole book of how to conquer death, by the way. That book is how to overcome and swallow up the last curse of death. And when it starts to operate in your spirit, your brain wig out. You actually begin to manifest. You'd be surprised how much stuff you still have in your souls that just needs to get burned out. I was reading Enoch, God had me studying all the sun verses of Enoch, 64 sun verses, and it was almost like there was a black sun out of the flesh of my heart, and I felt like I was going to throw up. And you know, listen, I've been through deliverance. We're a deliverance ministry. I've delivered people all the time. We do, we're, you know, we're all about pigs in the parlor around here and everyone needs deliverance from something but this was a different thing this was like almost the curse of the fall coming out of the dna of the flesh of my heart wow. 
and I saw a black sun inside my heart and just came out. It was it was spiritual, but it was also physical. And since that thing came out from reading Enoch, <laughs> there's been a lot more clarity. When I sleep since then, this is just last week, so I'm, only, I'm pretty new to it. <laughs> so when I sleep now, I don't actually sleep. I'm still awake and sleep, and I wake up fully energized by the sun and by the radiance of the sun, by its energy. And it's, it's, it's like a thousand cups of coffee with no negativity. That's the only way I can explain it to you. It's like being on a thousand cups of coffee. It's like snorting an eight ball of cocaine, a really, really good cocaine, but having no negativity. It's like all, what drug, the best drugs of all time, what they're trying to achieve is what the sun is under your angel when it passes its pure white energy through your heart and mind. This is how Moses looked young at 120, the Bible says that. This is how Jesus continues on living forever physically in the flesh at the right hand of God. The names of those stars and the sun and the moon, the Bible says, were named by God. They're attributes of God the Father. That's why it's called the practice of righteousness. That's why Job talks about the constellations in Job. The reason is because when your spirit is built up that high, the names of your Father in those stars and their angels come into order, the order of Melchizedek, the order of righteousness, and begin to obey your spirit as you do God's will. Yep. Now we're walking in righteousness. Now we're walking with the luminaries under our spirit. Now the stars are warring for us against the Satans and against the sorcery in Babylon the Great. And so a lot of the church thinks the tree of knowledge is the tree of life. If you Google this stuff, it'll come up with confusion because a lot of this stuff is meant to confuse you but if you go into the bible and if you understand enoch is scripture understand why it was so persecuted by the antichrist throughout the ages and you begin to read enoch it gets clear it's not confusing and it's all biblical and we just want the word of god to grow up in your spirit into higher realms that are totally necessary for the devil to be destroyed in our generation that's the only intention of our heart to get you people so strong in your new creature in Christ ability that you can have success at a Father God level. Not a Babylonian level, not an American level, on a Kingdom of Heaven level. And in the Kingdom of Heaven, it's a different standard, guys. They walk on streets of gold. Not even Donald Trump has that. The Kingdom standard is a different level of prosperity. <laughs> you can't even imagine what it's like to sit on a sapphire throne. But the Bible says God sits on a throne of solid sapphire. There's, there's things of value in the kingdom of heaven where if you, just even a handful of it came to earth, you'd be the richest person on the planet. Just instantly. And it's not about that, but it's about understanding the value of the kingdom and that righteousness, if you seek it, there is awesome, awesome rewards for seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness so that all things can be added unto you. And if you get nervous around prosperity, you get nervous around the sun because the Bible says that the sun is for prosperity. It's not for greed. It's not for the love of money, the root of all evil. It's for ruling the nations as divine government. We're quick to give out 50%, well, maybe not so quick, 50% of our paychecks to a government that's one of the most mismanaged organizations in the history of the world. You know, $18 trillion in debt, 50%, it's not even accounted for. We don't even know where half of our taxes even go nowadays. Half of it goes to abortion, 
Half of it goes to wars, to Ukraine, to made-up wars, wars and rumors of wars, to all kinds of stuff we don't believe in. I'm telling you now, where your money is, is your, your vote. It's true. Money is buying power that is a vote out of the natural realm to direct both your spirit and your natural man in the course of your life. So whatever you believe in, you're going to support financially and that's going to grow in your life. If you believe and support the kingdom of heaven and righteousness and the book of Enoch and start fueling those areas and making righteousness and the level of Enoch's Christianity readily available and taught and thought and practiced in American society, all society be caught up. It'll, you'll revolutionize society. If you can support Enoch and support righteousness and support mysticism, I'm telling you now, it can become mainstream. It doesn't need to be persecuted in America. It doesn't need to be misunderstood. Where you spend your money is your vote for what you want to govern you. It's true. Your money is your vote. And it's true in all of your life. How you spend your money is the exact thing that you're worshiping in your lives. And it's usually self. It's usually soul. God wants him to be worshiped without any self or soul idolatry. I'm telling you, the Laodicean church, there's so much poverty and anti-prosperity. And there's, there's also this whole section of greed and love of money. We have not yet known a narrow, holy path where you can have like Enoch, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, where you can have like Jesus, a treasury, wearing a $150,000 seamless garment like he wore that they're gambling over at the cross. The Bible tells you it was three men's wages uh, for three years of what Jesus wore on his person. Jesus is the King of Glory. If he's wearing $150,000 of clothes, according to the Bible, and it's written in there if you study it, three years of an average man's wages was how much a seamless garment cost in the days of Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus was not a bum. He was not a hippie. He was not a homeless person. He was a rich king with angel power that Pontius Pilate feared him because he had military backing. He did not come as a bum with some kind of poverty ministry, just feel bad for me like I'm Mother Teresa around here, I'm just in the dumpster helping leper colonies. Jesus came as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and had everything in the realm of the natural to show for it. A real king. He's the King of Kings in reality that Buckingham Palace, that King Charles bows to. King Charles, get real, Windsor family bows to King Jesus in the natural realm. When you get the 13 crown families of Europe bowing to the kingship of your Christianity and it's working at a luminary level, that's when you know it's the end of sorcery. Can you bring it forth? It's available. I'm speaking the things that are not as though they are. I know this is the standard for this generation. Kingship. Kingly dignity. Sonship is kingship. Your maturity is not into a place of religiosity where you're just a Gandhi. Your maturity is kingship and queenship in a city of kings and queens. The bride of Christ is the queen of the universe in the book of Revelation. Queen of the universe. Jezebel calls herself queen, but she is self-made. When you're married to the Lord and doing his will and growing up in the spirit, you will actually come into a maturity, not just in spirit, but in soul and in mind and in body and in house and in business excellence and in ministry and in etiquette and communication of an excellence that will shake CEOs. 
that will shake Fortune 500 companies, that everyone in the world will take seriously. We need a Christianity to completely disciple civilization, and it's going to take kingship and queenship at this level of righteousness to do it. And that's what we're going to go after in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray that you would help every person's spirit at the sound of my voice that wants it tonight to mature into kingship and queenship in the heavenly Jerusalem to be the brothers and sisters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, with all the same ability, with all the same glorified personality, with all the same fruits of the Spirit, with all the same riches and glory, with all the same buying power and ruling power of all the authority given to the bride of Christ maturing in Jesus Christ in this place. Speak to your people. Show them a higher path. Show them righteousness. Convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment in spirit, soul, mind, and body. Raise a standard in this people to walk in kingly dignity to walk in the royalty of Jesus Christ, the royalty of the Holy Spirit, the royalty of the Word of God, the royalty of real Christianity. And just get all the American gunk out of us to make us royal, regal, kingly Christians of the kingdom of heaven without American society influencing our Christianity. We want the ancient paths restored in our spirit, souls, minds, and bodies. Teach us and train us in the way in which we should go so when we're older we don't depart far from it. Come on. Holy Spirit, raise us up. Purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify us from all the roots of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All the branches and the stolen lights and all the, the spells and the witchcrafts and the sorceries of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of all of its rebellion and stubbornness. Remove the stubbornness from our souls. Make us clay in the potter's hand to be vessels of the best drink of all time. Father, your pure glory. And let us give the nations a drink of your purity, of your power, of your glory, like they've never seen before. Let it come forth with lightnings. Let it come forth like stars. Let it come forth with angel armies. Let it come forth with signs, miracles, and wonders through every single one of these disciples around the world watching right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> glory ah feels good Shaka love you Lord bless your name thank you for glorifying your name in our foreheads I will write the name of my city on their foreheads the heavenly Jerusalem Jesus says in Revelation write our home world on our minds put heaven on our minds let us see into heaven and experience heaven, all the heavenly angels, the innocent, childlike, holy angels with glory on their wings. We invite them into all of our houses, into our businesses, our relationships, to clean house, to serve in your house, Heavenly Father, like Moses, and to be faithful in all your house, with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds, and all of our strength. 
glory. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> Amen. Glory. I encourage you guys in your own time to read, read the book of Enoch, chapter 91. <laughs> I'm not going to get into all of it tonight. It's already 7.30. I'm getting caught up. I feel fire all over my neck. I have my whole brain. I'm just, I'm seeing in Technicolor out here. I'm seeing in Rainbow right now. I'm going to go uh, settle into a rainbow pool in the Garden of Eden for the next three days. And we'll see you when I rise again on Tuesday. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Woo, glory. Uh, we're still about $1,300 short for the new walls for Kenya. I was going to play a quick clip here for you guys if you're watching online. Thank you for everyone who's given. You can look at our, our stadium here. And uh, it's come a long ways from just nothingness. Wow, good morning, good afternoon, RLM Global family, under the great leadership of Apostle Brandon and Apostle Rebecca Lynn. Uh, just want to drop a really quick video for the progress uh, about the roof glory, the Nehemiah's building anointing. So this is one side of the RLM Manfest Arena already covered in red sheets, the red iron uh, sheets. So we are really, really grateful. We are really grateful. Uh, we have tried to really rush the project so that we can uh, save a dime uh, on labor. On labor, I mentioned to you earlier that uh, I had to change some of the standing uh, corner posts, corner, corner metals. Uh, the initial uh, post were a little bit lighter, so I thought maybe it will affect the the roof. So I had to change, and also we have uh, I, I, I enlarged the the structure to make it a, a little bit bigger. It is actually 75 by 47. 75 by 47 is a big, big, big uh, structure. It's a big, big, big uh, place of worship. So uh, we are less 1,300 USD uh, to uh, to complete this structure, to complete this construction. So I send a word out there. If God will lay it on your heart to uh, stand with us, to see the perfect completion of this structure, uh, you can kindly reach out to Apostle Rebecca, or you can use the links to uh, really come in for your donation, for your support. Uh, it's not a must you do the whole amount. Uh, you can do part of it. You can do 300, you can do 500, you can do 600, you can do 1,000. Uh, the Bible uh, talks about the love of God and the unity, the unit where three or two gather, where two or three gather in the name 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is always in the midst. So once again, uh, I want to say thank you so much, Apostle Brandon and uh, Rebecca Lynn, for this great, great uh, and powerful leadership. So uh, all those who could send their donations, this is where what your donation uh, is doing. So once the project is done, you will have the full documentary of it. Everything is being documented, the spending, everything. And uh, this thing has really touched the heart of God. May your life never be the same again. Kindly help us to raise the remainder 1,300 USD so that we can complete this project for the glory of God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Glory. So we got the roof done. We've built a gigantic stadium over there that has like 400 ste- seats, and uh, it's only cost 15,000. The same stadium here would probably be 250,000 easily. Probably way more than that. <laughs> so your money goes about 50 times further in Kenya. It's really incredible. We have three donkeys working on the project and like and like 25 construction workers and all of that for a total of 14,000 to get the building really really nice over there so we're just only 1300 we've raised over 12,000 already and have put it all into new framing new roof we want to do new siding the siding is so ugly I can't even look at it I just I said we need to do something with that siding and so they're doing all the welding work and they're gonna do glass siding and it'd be really beautiful, be one of the nicest buildings in the area. And uh, they want to all know who's the American spending all this money on this. They keep coming out to him. What American is building this for you? It's Red Letter Ministries America. It's you guys. It's us together. And uh, we play a big part in Kenya, in Nairobi, and the African church. And it's really cool to also have a partner church in Africa. And they're growing, they're preaching fire, they're, they're really on fire over there, they help us a lot. Shadrach's a mighty prophet. His integrity and responsibility in uh, finance, financial uh, responsibility and financial management is the highest level I've seen in any business. He takes notes and it's all documented, he shows me receipts, and so it's just total integrity through and through in everything we're doing in this ministry. And so. You can get behind it. You get, you know, tax exemption. We're a registered Minnesota nonprofit, so all giving is uh, tax write-offs. And so you can click the link in the description. Try to raise that thirteen hundred tonight. We'll get that over there. Get those walls and all that glass installed in the next week. And super exciting. Bless you guys, and we'll see you Tuesday. Amen. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Glory. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> cool, that was really fun. <laughs> so good. <laughs> One of the best ways that we can prove that we love the Lord is by giving. Amen. And we're going to sing a song about giving, and it's got some hand motions, and I want you to join with me, okay? Will you do that?
Yeah! 